Hello and welcome to the Northwestern Baseball Podcast, Rounding the Bases. We are back for week one of the season, second podcast of the year after the preview last year. I'm Amit Malik, back to host, and joined this week by Walker Reinfeld, the returning guest, and Sam Brief. Very excited to have Sam with us. He'll be on air for all three games this weekend, live from Durham, North Carolina, for Northwestern Series against Duke. So, very happy to have you here, guys. How are you guys doing on this Wednesday night? Great. You said my name with a lot more excitement than people usually say my name with, so that kind of brightened my what's a gloomy Wednesday night outside. I'm yeah. fired up to get to Durham and get cracking on Series number two. And yeah, it's a good Wednesday night again. Like I talked about last week, we're it's baseball season. I yeah. that's my happiest time of the year. Crack of the bat. So it's it's, it's we're we're back, and, and we cannot be more excited for baseball season. Yeah, I think Northwestern started their season off on a decent enough note. They went one and two against BYU, dropping game three in a rubber match. We'll talk about that very very shortly. And then they kind of made up for it with a big nine five win against Cal, going two and two overall in the weekend, and obviously. Beating Cal with some good revenge for what went down uh, a few years ago in Evanston in 2016. Let's start there. Just overall big picture impressions. We'll start big, then we'll get in small with the actual games themselves. What are your main takeaways for, from the first weekend? Um, I think Coach Allen came into the season talking a lot about consistency. I don't think this team is there yet of being consistent, but I think you see flashes of what needs to happen. I think coming back back from a not great loss on Friday night to win Saturday morning and then coming back from a bad loss Saturday evening to win again Sunday. We have the ability to bounce back, but the goal for this team is to not have to bounce back and just be consistent over the course of the season. And I think there's flashes of this team being able to do that. Yeah, I mean, you know, fighting with the big boys and playing well. We remember from our freshman year in 2016, the Cal series, Cal outscored Northwestern 59-5. to So I think just looking big picture, you go, okay, four years ago, it was a complete and total demolition of Northwestern. And then you play against this, uh, you know, a similar Cal team who has maybe the number one pick in next year's uh, MLB draft in Andrew Vaughn, and to beat them by four runs is something special. So I think, you know, did we expect Northwestern to go out and sweep BYU and dominate Cal? No, you know, they had a tough loss on Friday, and it was far from a perfect weekend, but going toe-to-toe with the big boys it's where Spencer Allen wants this program to be, and I think we saw flashes of that in Arizona. I agree with both you guys. I think it was the best opening weekend they've had in our uh, time here, I think, going 2-2. Two and two. And really, they, they could have taken two games from BYU. I think Game 3 maybe always would have went the way it did, but they really could have won Friday. And then, as you said, Cal was a great showing. So I think the talent level is there on this team for them to have some success this year. I think we did also see that their depth isn't uh, amazing, but not every, not not many teams get to say they have really good depth. And the pieces are there, so I thought it was a good opening weekend, and there's a lot to work with and a lot to work on. But I think as opening weekends go, as you guys alluded to, it, it went about as well as you, you realistically could have hoped. Now let's go in kind of game by game and, and just talk about highs and lows. We obviously don't need to, to recap every single thing that happened uh, here this weekend, we'll start with Friday. Northwestern loses 4-3, walked off in 10 innings. Um, this one, they, they were leading 3-1 in the 8th, and then things kind of went south from there. We saw the first taste of Nick Petoric, and we kind of saw Josh Leafy out of the bullpen get really close to getting things done, and then made an unfortunate throwing error with two outs that allowed 
the, the Cougars to tie the game. Your, your takeaways from this one and, and people you thought whose stock jumped up or maybe jumped down. Um, takeaways are I like the fight in this team. I mean, to go down literally within 10 pitches on a leadoff triple and a sacrifice fly, to be down one nothing in this game and not... I, Northwestern teams in the past have given up that early. Be like, oh, we're down, we're not going to come back. To be able to stick it out for five innings, keep it close, hey, Christie pitched great after that, um, which is going to be a story for this season, to come back in the sixth inning and put up three to get yourself a lead late, late enough in the ball game, um, I think was awesome to see from this team. Yeah, for me, the... You you asked Amit, stock up, stock down. For me, a big stock up was Hank Christie. His freshman year, I know we were all super impressed with him, blew us away, especially the way he finished the season. I think Northwestern won eight of his last nine starts. He was pitching like a man possessed. Last year, his numbers weren't as good. You know, When I watched him, I still said, okay, this is still the same Hank Christie. He's still a good workmanlike pitcher, but his numbers took a little bit of a dip, and then he came out firing against BYU. The early triple, like Walker mentioned, but other than that, you know, good. six innings, one run, three hits, four strikeouts, and a walk. That's a clean line. That's a quality start. So, I think for Hank, that was awesome. The bullpen, that's something you know we've seen Northwestern's bullpen blow leads uh, a few times in the past few years, and you never want to start a season like that. But to see them bounce back in the next few days, as we'll talk about later, was big for me. But Hank. Good. That's my takeaway. Yeah, I think six innings was probably the target for him. I know he was pitching well, but I, I don't think they really – it made sense to leave him in. At that point, you trust your team to try to get that game up too. And I think I did say Levy specifically had one memorable play, but, you know, Jack Pagliarini also gave up two runs. Of course, just one of them was earned. Um, but I, I would have liked more out of him, and he ra- rebounded to pitch okay on Sunday. But I thought just the – the frustration of Pagliarini and Levy coming in with a two-run lead. And look, you, you can't hold on to every single lead you inherit, but, you know, two runs, if this team's going to be worth something yeah, come the stretch, that's the type of thing you got to hold on. In the field, in, in terms of just my quick stock up, stock down, we saw four guys with multi-hit games. So all four of them I thought was was really impressive. Um, Alex Arrow looked good. He uh, uh, This whole weekend he looked really good. He looked like he came in uh, in form, really sharp. Um, David Dunn uh, was good as well, and he's a guy that's really threatening. And Ben Dickey, uh, he's another guy my whole weekend. I thought he really performed well, got on base a lot, and and also used his legs. And then last one, Leo Kaplan had the big uh, go-ahead two RBIs on a single. It was in the infield, but he hit it hard. And, again, uh, I think one worry about this team is they don't have a lot of power hitting. Um, It can come in flashes, but... They, they, they're going to have to rely on guys to make clutch hits with guys on with one or two outs. So shout out to Leo Kaplan. He did it, and they were maybe could have won this game, but, you know, I, I think they'll regret the top of the 10th. They had lead off, lead off two men on with no outs, and they came with no runs. So I think if they score there, it's a different game. And, other, and then instead, uh, I don't think Nick, Nick Tork did his best in the bottom of the 10th, but, you know, I don't think there was a ton he could have done as well. Yeah, I agree with all that. I think uh, Ben Dickey, just a weekend as a whole, I feel like I was watching the streams, listening to you admit, and it just felt like Ben Dickey was attacking those first pitches. And, and for someone who who has been in the top of the lineup before in a different role, where in the top lineup you take lots of pitches, you're not supposed to be super aggressive, <coughs> set the table for the guys behind you, get on base. Ben Dickey has now moved to like this kind of like bottom of the lineup guy, but who's going to get on base and work getting on base and be aggressive about that. And I thought he did a great job of that this past weekend. Um, as well, I think the story moving forward for this team, as we saw this weekend, is is going to be how they they deal with these like threatening innings, where, where innings where this team should score, 
and if they can come away with more runs in some of those innings, I think this team can be can be pretty dangerous. I, I think there was a lot of missed opportunities and missed chances that we won't get into too much because there's good that you have these chances. Just yeah. first weekend of the season, you're not expecting them all the, all to cash in. Just a couple more here and there, I think, may, really makes a difference this weekend. Someone else that I'm impressed with, you mentioned a bit, David Dunn. Last year, we got just a flash of how good he could be. Hit 324 in 10 games and then got injured and missed the rest of the season. And I think I always kind of wondered, oh, I wish I could have seen him play a whole year. He seemed pretty darn good. Uh, and he had a nice start over the weekend. We Walker and I talked to him the other day at media availability, and he just said, hey, you know, last year, since I started playing baseball, that was the first year I ever missed playing ball. You know, he had never had an injury that made him miss so much time. He's happy to be back. You can tell, um, you know, now playing with his brother and Jack Dunn and his cousin and Michael Troutwine, I think is really cool for him. And we saw some great results uh, from Dave over the weekend. Yeah, so Northwestern didn't come with a win, but I think your guys' assessment of stock up, stock down was good. Let's continue on to game two of the series. Northwestern gets a win in game one of the doubleheader. I think the big storyline that you guys can touch on is Sam Lawrence was really good in a starting role. The offense... You know, did enough. They put up three ones, and Northwestern hang on. The other storyline is Nick Pachorik. So, your thoughts from a three-two win where Northwestern managed to get it done in the end? Yeah, I can lead off with Sam Lawrence. I, so good to have him back as a dependable pitcher because his freshman year he was lights out. We were you yeah. and I were at the Big Ten tournament when he, he so shut clutch. down Maryland yeah. that big uh, Base double play no um, with one out. Oh yeah, bases loaded, no outs, yeah. and then a strike, a uh, foul out, and yeah. then. Uh, double play to send Northwestern to the Big Ten Championship game. He was lights out. Last year took a huge step back. And to have him just thrust into the starting role and be dominant again is really good for Northwestern. And I could hear in Coach Allen's voice when I talked to him on Wednesday that, or not today is Wednesday, talked to him on Tuesday, Tuesday yeah. all mixed up, um, <laughs> that he's just happy to have Sam back as as a really shut down guy. Like, Sam kind of felt bad about maybe letting his teammates down with kind of an off year, but he's back, he's dominant, he's just so good to have a tall, big, hard-throwing lefty like that as your Saturday starter is huge, and it got Northwestern to win against a good team. Yeah, I would say Lawrence, we've talked about the pitching a lot, I think Nick Pettore coming in, uh, what looked good, I mean, from what yeah. we saw, um, to come back, especially on a short turnaround, I think was, was I think the biggest part about that is you had a night game the day before, never really pitched before, to come back and be able to pitch again the next day in the morning of a doubleheader, I think shows great promise for what he's doing um, this season, making that transition. Um, I think getting th three solid innings, not three perfect out of innings out of Anthony Leeper was huge. Yeah, I, I mentioned on the broadcast, he had three runs to play with, and he made it hard, but he did eventually keep it, and he got out of a jam at the end. Exactly, and I think I mean I think it's big, especially to have a sophomore contributing out of the bullpen like that, uh, like a leaper who maybe didn't see all the time he thought he may have deserved last year to come out at the beginning of the season and kind of show, hey, I'm here, I'm a member of this bullpen, and I'm I'm here to contribute the best I can and get the job that I need to done. Um, I think from the batter's perspective, I think Anthony Clarko was pretty impressive. Um, in that third inning, being able to get his, his RBI, his first RBI, first hit, and his first plate appearance. Yeah. That was pretty awesome. Um, so, I, I mean, yeah. that's a good start it, for that it game. It wasn't a special game offensively, but everyone at, at some point had a pretty good at-bat here and there. And Clarko, you know, he's a switch 80 DH guy, and he's got a lot of power. He didn't show a ton of it off, but he sees the ball well. He, he can attack a fastball. So it was good for him. I'll just close with this one that, 
you know, Nick Pachoric, he looked good. Again, it was a 7-8-9 hitters of BYU, but a one-run game looked completely unfazed. So I'm sure he's going to get the call twice, one, one or maybe two more times against Duke if Northwestern is in a close game, even if they're not leading. And we'll get into Duke as a very good team, but uh, hopefully he continues to see more high-leverage situations as the season goes on. Um, I think that wraps it up. I mean, Northwestern just took care of business. Sam Lawrence was good, and they held on. Game three, obviously, I don't want to harp too much on it because it was a lopsided score, um, 11-2. to But I think what we learned is that this is the limits of Northwestern's depth, playing three games in two days. They knew they were going to save Quinn Lavelle for game four. And both Ryan Bader and Michael Doherty had frustrating outings. And that's not to say that they can't come back, but I think we just learned that, you know, at the back of Northwestern's arms is maybe they don't have enough stuff to get four good starters in a weekend. Yeah, it's possible, but I did I did ask Spencer Allen because I noticed that all seven first years did get into the game um, this past weekend, and I asked Coach Allen, I said, hey, was this part of the plan, and which of these guys impressed you the most? First name out of his mouth, Parker Hanks. Yeah, he I, was good. I, I think Parker Hanks um, could be a guy to watch coming out of this, this bullpen, maybe even potentially making a transition if, if that's what Northwestern sees possible, maybe a midweek starter. Um, they really liked what they saw out of Hanks. Um, another lefty guy had looked like he faced six batters, struck out four, so he has the stuff. Um, like Coach Allen said, the plan was to get all the position players in, but not necessarily get all the the the, yeah. the pitching in. You got to see all of them. You got to see Delise, um, Tommy Delise as well from from Texas. Um, I did like what I saw. Jack Anderson came in the game late, hit a ball toward Real toward to, to the boarding track. I think that's another story to watch. Um, because a lot of the reps look like they're going to at the beginning to Troutwine and um, and Kelly, but maybe Anderson's another guy to watch. Um, not a lot of big takeaways, but a lot of intriguing things to see from this game that wasn't didn't go Northwestern's way. Yeah, Alex Arrow hit a solo home run. I think it was good for him to show off power, especially when he's hitting as a lefty. There's a switch hitter. Again, keep, keeping up his really good weekend. He, he was really excellent. I think what we learned kind of also that Charlie Maxwell hit, was hitting in the two spot for the first three games. Again, he hit well against Cal. I think he's good maybe five, six, seven. He You need him in the lineup. He's going to be your everyday third baseman. But... You know, just finding out where you can uh, put him. And then um, they moved Gusenberg into the second spot, uh, as we saw in Game 4. And we'll see. I think that's a, a good question for Spencer Allen to see. What's the best four, top four, top five of my lineup? I think you're going to see Jack Dunn, Alex Arrow, Willie Berman, and then probably David Dunn and Ben Dickey. So, you know, someone's got to step up and fill that role. And I, I thought that was a, a good question mark to have uh, after this game. Then having Arrow in three-hole is interesting because he – and Spencer Allen makes this point. He's not a one-dimensional player. You yeah. know, he's not just a speedy guy who can get on base. He can smack it out of the park. And yeah. you know, this was an 11-2 loss, but he had a home run, and yeah. um, he looked good doing so. So I think that's going to be another theme this season: is the transition to Alex Arrow as a power hitter too, and a guy yeah. who can really rip it and out of the park. They need him to hit for doubles mm -hmm. and out of the park. Same with Willie Bourbon. So. Uh, again, frustrating, and the way that they tied they tied up the series after Game 2, you know, a lot of momentum going in, and then really from the start, it was kind of quenched immediately. And, you know, maybe in a different world, if Northwestern only had three games against BYU, maybe they could beat them in a series. But just given the way it went and, you know, maybe in a different world, Ryan Bader and Michael Dirty also have better outings. But I think Northwestern just a little exposed against BYU, but all things considered – solid performances in this series and 
we learned a lot. I think that was the greatest thing just to get data on all these guys. And they'll come back, like you know, you mentioned Doherty yeah. and Bader, Darth Bader, <laughs> as I like to call him. He'll come back. I think I, I was pretty impressed with him as a freshman last year, yeah. and you know, he got roughed up against a good team on the other side of the country. He'll be fine, and I think can still be a dependable midweek guy, middle relief guy. Yeah, I agree. And we talked about it a bit last week on the podcast that. Sweeping a doubleheader in any scenario, really Major hard. League Baseball, any, anywhere, it's tough. Yeah. Um, and I think we knew that. No, so I think we would have liked to see a better, more competitive game, but it, it the result is what it was, and, and we're, it's too early in the season to hang hang your heads about these early losses, including a tough loss Friday night or stuff like that. It, it's, it's too early. This team showed its flashes, like we'll talk about in this Cal game coming up right, right now, but... We knew winning a double, sweeping a doubleheader would be extremely tough, and it proved so. Yeah. Moving on to Sunday, Northwestern beats Cal 9-5. to uh, A really good start from Quinn Lavelle, which was good to see. He was on a very tight pitch count. I think 45 pitches was the number, but he, he was excellent um, through three and a, a third, no uh, runs allowed to Cal. And I think I'd just like to, to list some stats here. First baseman, Andrew Vaughn. Um, two hits, one RBI, three walks. First baseman, Willie Bourbon. Three hits, two RBI, two walks. That's it. That's I don't all know. I gotta say. That's all it. I gets a round of applause. Yeah. Yeah. No, uh, Willie Bourbon, I think, <laughs> capped off a really good weekend. He, he got on base a lot in the first three games. You know, I think had a walk and a hit in almost every game he had. And then followed up with really an excellent game on Sunday, including hitting a leadoff homer, and that was just really good for him to see. And look, Andrew Vaughn's not going to get a lot of pitches to hit, especially a team like Northwestern that doesn't want to give him a chance. But Northwestern, I think, just big big picture for me, They not only did they hang with Cal, they, they really, the scoreline was flattering to them. Cal looked not great, and I think, you know, hopefully as a team, they get better the rest of the season, so this doesn't feel like a, a dumb win. But, yeah, but Northwestern looked really hungry, their hitting was great. Their base running was great. And they were aggressive. Cal's defense made a lot of mistakes. And it was weird. Cal looked weird. But I want to focus more on Northwestern for them because the hitting was awesome. Yeah. Will, I mean, Willie Bourbon, it's good to see him have another good start to the season. Last year, um, he had four home runs in his first eight games. He was on fire, kind of introducing himself as a premier power hitter for Northwestern. So it's good to see him. I'll say it, outplaying Andrew Vaughn. Yes. Good, good for Willie. Uh, but if, yeah. If, I mean, in case you're wondering, Andrew Vaughn's OPS is like 1.7. Yeah. <laughs> oh, he, he is nasty. Yeah. He, you know, he's going to be a top five, yeah. maybe number yeah. one overall yeah. draft pick. And Northwestern's going to face another potential top yeah. five draft pick, which we'll talk about soon, in yeah. Graham Stinson at Duke. Um, but good to see them shut down a good. Uh, what we think, I yeah. guess, is a good Cal team, but to explode for nine runs like that, it kind of reminded me of last year in the second non-conference series for Northwestern, the Cats played Kansas, 18-12 barn burner yeah. of a win in game two of that series. That yep, Henry DeMore and yeah. I were down in Lawrence, and that's another a good team, not a top-tier team. But that's a power five like, yeah, conference. A power five, a good team with good pitching, and Northwestern scored 18 runs against this Kansas team. So the way, I mean, they didn't score 18, but you'll take nine runs against against Cal pitching. So Lavelle looked sharp, and I think especially given what Cal did to Northwestern four years ago, this is, was an awesome way. Amid, I know you were there. I'm sure it was yeah. an awesome feeling to end this Arizona trip on a high note. 
Couldn't agree more. Everyone was in good spirits. It kind of just helped them get the taste out of their mouth from yeah. Saturday and felt good. You know, you could take that, you could build on that. And also to say, look, you know, Spencer Allen, this is the fourth year. Look where we've come yeah. in four years. And, and again, it's just one game, but I think it meant a lot for them. Closing thoughts in terms of the players that did well. Charlie Maxwell, as I mentioned, moved to seven, had two hits. David Dunn had two hits, uh, a walk, and three runs. And Jack Dunn, finally, he had a bit of a slow start to the weekend. We haven't really talked about him so far. But managed to get three hits. One of them was a bunt, but again, he's a guy that Northwestern needs to be good at, at the top of their lineup for them to be successful this season. So, uh, all in all, I think this was this game meant a lot for them. Yeah, it did. And I want to I wanna bring up one stat about Willie Bourbon that we've talked about. His, his, his strikeouts have always been kind of an issue in, yeah. in his ability to be more disciplined at the plate. Last year, I think a goal for the coaching staff was get his walkout strikes walks to strikeouts. Yeah, ratio better. Get it about one to one. This past weekend, six, two to one. Six yeah. walks, three strikeouts he's only. See, he's, he's having some good plate discipline. So he's, uh, I think, growing into that cleanup spot. And, you know, he's a senior too. So I've been pl- really pleased with Willie Bourbon through four games. Um, let's transition a little bit um, before we talk about Duke. I know both of you guys were in media availability this week. Um, I don't think we're going to be interviewing Spencer Allen this week, um, but we'll see if we can bring that up in the future. But media availability serves a pretty good purpose. What were your What were your takeaways from what he said? What are the players said that are that are relevant to what we're talking about here? Yeah, I can start with uh, with what Coach said. I got my notes right here in front of me. Um, one thing that I thought was interesting that he talked about was practicing in Ryan Fieldhouse and. How that he 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 was clear. I am not making an excuse. Uh, it's not an excuse at all. But um, how just some of the little things when you're practicing inside on a, what's a football practice field, as opposed to outside, things like base running, timing on hitting the cutoff men, those little details that when you're thrust into an actual game on an actual field under the sky, are a little different. So that was something he talked about that was interesting because they're going up against teams who don't play in environments where it's like negative 20 degrees and snowing outside. So they can actually practice outside and get that timing down. Um, and then I know, uh, Walker, this is something you also want to discuss is how he called Duke the model of what he wants to become. Duke made the NCAA tournament in 2016 for the first time in 55 years. Yeah. Northwestern right now is riding a 58 year yeah. drought. So a lot of similarities there, and Chris Pollard, who's in the seventh season at Duke, has turned them from a bottom barrel program to top tier, super sectional last year, 45 and 18 was their record, and I know Coach wants to get to that level. Yeah, absolutely, Coach does really want to get to that level, and and I mean, casual sports fans will always try to compare Northwestern in any sport to the Stanfords and the Vanderbilt, just because of the academic prowess of these universities, but... Coach Allen really wanted to hesitate on that in terms of the baseball program because those programs have historic baseball histories. He, he, he really pointed out the fact that Duke is the most like us. They're a couple years ahead in their process. Obviously, Coach Allen in his fourth year, Coach Pollard in his seventh. You'd like to see maybe some transitions with, with some of the recruits we're getting, and, and Duke is the model. He's right, being in a, in a, in a Power 5 conference, maybe not viewed as, as one of the best. I mean, Duke made it super regional last year, played a tough Texas Tech team that knocked him out. But Duke also lost a lot of talent last year, which we'll get into. I think they had seven players drafted, um, notably some guys like Griffin Conine, son of former major leaguer Jeff Conine, I know was a very big contributor to that team when I was watching um, the college baseball tournament last season. Um, So, I mean, yes, you'd like to go into Durham, play in a AAA ballpark this weekend, 
show out a little bit. Um, maybe maybe show, hey, look, we can battle with the big boys too. Uh, and then we're not just we're not just the battle of smart schools, we're battle of baseball schools. Another thing for media availability, I just want to mention before we move on to Duke, we also talked to Hank Christie. He said something he's working on is elevating his fastball. Um, we always hear at a lot of levels you want to keep that low, but they found with advanced analytics that last year hitters hit way better on his low fastballs than his high fastballs. So they're working yeah. on elevating that. And that's just a little yeah. nugget to know as we, as you know, I'll be down in Duke to kind of report yeah. back and see. You know how he's doing with that. And my report from Hank, I mean, we talked about him, but I thought he was throwing a breaking ball, curveball, a lot more than he normally did last year. And we'll see if it, it keeps working. I was talking with some of the guys just, you know, uh, around the hotel, and they were saying, oh, well, BYU is just really aggressive. They swing at a lot of stuff, and Hank just had it going, so that's why we threw it. I don't know if that was an analytics thing, a Hank, a Hank trying to do that more often thing, or really, as they said, BYU just being aggressive and swinging a lot. So, We'll see if that continues, but I think in general, you know, a high fastball is a great pitch to get someone swinging and missing if they're looking for something in the zone. So we'll see how, how that uh, progresses. Let's talk about Duke. The, again, as you mentioned, a very successful season last year. They're 4-0 to start the season, swept Lehigh, and then yesterday uh, welcomed Davidson and, and beat them. So this is a team that has a lot of talent. We know they're, they, they were ranked by some polls, not the most important polls, by some polls. Right around uh, 2022 edge there, uh, I think in the, I don't know what the best poll is, D1 baseball, they're not quite ranked. But this is a t- completely different team than last year. They still have, uh, as you're going to talk about, Sam Graham Stinson, but they only have two position players returning. And that being said, they're still very formidable. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, J- Joey Loperfito, who was their first baseman, now plays second base. He's their top returner alongside Kenny Taylor, who hit six home runs last year. But outside of that, Duke lost a lot. They had seven guys from last year's squad that reached the super sectional drafted in the MLB draft last year. Griffin Conine was the catalyst to their offense last year. 18 homers, 52 RBIs. He went in the second round to the Blue Jays and actually was suspended for, I think, 50 games for using performance-enhancing drugs at the minor league levels. So oh, wow. an interesting <laughs> note there. But they had a ton of guys who were just on fire. Jack Lebowski, Zach Cohn. Um, they lost two of their starting pitchers from last year. It's a totally different team. That being said, you know, Kenny Taylor's really good power hitter. Joey Loperfito is a stud who can get on base. Uh, against a lot of different pitches, and in Graham Stinson, who's now their Friday night starter, they've got a guy who D1 baseball, you just mentioned the credibility of D1 baseball a bit, said he's the best pitcher in the country. So they've got some nasty stuff going for them, and even though they're not going to be as good as they were last year, they've got some pretty good players. So it's still, if Northwestern's able to steal a game from Duke, I think they would go home feeling pretty good about themselves. Yeah. Duke is a, a power-hitting team. Northwestern has five guys with uh, two or more RBIs. Duke has seven, and six of them have three or more. And another thing that's really interesting, I mean, you mentioned Graham Simpson's really good. Their pitching staff has had an excellent start to the season. Um, 36 innings pitched as a staff, 63 strikeouts. So Stinson pitched three innings, had six strikeouts. Bryce Jarvis, who I think is their Saturday or Sunday starter, he had four innings pitched, nine strikeouts. And then Bill Chalari, who I think is their other starter. I, I don't know which days you might know, Sam. But five and two-thirds, ten strikeouts. So 
all of their starters uh, could get the K when they need it. So I think Northwestern is going to have to have a very good approach to the plate. And, you know, it's a team that's scary on both sides. They've got great pitching and a lot of guys that can hit for power. So Northwestern is going to be up against it. Yeah, definitely. I think I think the approach is what's going to be most important. I know getting to see live arms that aren't your own guys is really different, especially seeing guys with this caliber of pitching is going to be it's going to be tough, and it'll be good to see how they stack up again, right? Second week in the season, getting to be outside again some more. I think Coach Allen, someone asked, when are you guys aiming to be outside? And Coach Allen said yesterday. <laughs> um, Coach Allen, they're all itching to get outside and get those get those reps in outside, and I think just getting to have another series against a really tough opponent, being competitive, winning a game, I think is the main goal this weekend, and I think I think the Cats have a chance to do it. Great. Um I think we both kind of talked about expectations. I think winning one game, I think we all agree, seems fair. I know that's not what you want to hear as a Northwestern baseball fan if you're listening, but Duke's a really good team. And win one, I think you can feel okay about it. Obviously, winning two would be great. But I think Northwestern, it's going to be better than last week that they only have three. So I think they'll be able to put more of their better guys in bigger spots. But that being said, they're still going to need to find a way to get runs. And three runs a game might not be enough. Yeah, the what. One thing that is pretty encouraging, you know, it's easy to look at this Duke pitching and be like, oh, man, Graham Stinson, best pitcher in the country, you know, how are you going to get a hit against him? He's still someone, he's prepping for the major league level. He's clearly on a pitch count. Yeah, none of their guys went that Yeah, he went three innings and gave up no runs and a hit. So he wasn't pulled because he was starting to falter. He was pulled because, you know, I don't know, I haven't talked to any of the Duke guys yet, but I'm assuming he's on some sort of pitch count. So... If the guy only goes three or four innings, you've still got another five or so innings to try and get to the Duke bullpen, which is still a good bullpen, yeah. but it's not like you're going to get nine innings of Graham Stinson and get completely shut down and a perfect game and all that. I think they can get get to him, and, and Spencer talked about the strategy against him, and I think they'll have a pretty cohesive strategy. Yeah, and that's what they did to Jordan Wood, BYU's right. Friday night guy. He was a you know all-WCC player again. Maybe not as good as Duke's guys, but he was still a legit ace. And Northwestern took him five innings, but they knocked him out and eventually put three runs up in the six. So they, they're a team that knows their strategy. They can take some pitches, and I think that'll help them. Yeah, and, and pretty much the key with Stinson is you want to work him. He's got such a good slider. His The RPM on his slider is on par with like the best major league pitchers. Um, he can make you look silly, and... I know what the Cats really want to do is get positive counts and get him to pitch over the plate and not make you look so silly. So they're going to go in with an approach. I think they can maybe, I'm not saying they're going to score 18 runs against him, but I think they can, you know, get... They can dig him up. They they can get to him a little bit maybe, and then really uh, once the bullpen comes in, it's going to be time to shine for Willie Bourbon, Jack Dunn, Arrow, and the rest of the boys. Yeah, I think that was something we saw in that Sunday game against Cal where they were able to take advantage of mistakes of the other team. There was that big six inning where the Cats scored four runs. I know Cal had six errors but in the game in total, but they had a lot of those errors in the, in the six. And you've seen Northwestern teams in the past sometimes, the other team makes an error and then the inning ends. And Northwestern doesn't really capitalize on it. And the Cal game on Sunday, which is hopefully where you still have your momentum coming from. I know it's going to be almost five days off, but you still have that momentum coming where, look, Duke isn't a perfect baseball team. They're not ranked... No baseball team is ever perfect. Every team makes mistakes. I think being able to catch catch Duke off off their mistakes and kind of try to capitalize on those, if those mistakes are when Stinson is the game, all the better. Um, but 
I just think being able to capitalize on those mistakes, I think the Cats had showed the ability to do that on Sunday, and I think being able to do that this weekend will be huge. Great. You heard it here, guys. Big week series coming up against Duke. Give you the times for all three of those games. 3 p.m. on Friday. That will be on Mixler, but it will also be on air as well. So if you're in the area, you can tune in to 89.3 FM or tune in to our pop-up player online. Saturday and Sunday, both are at noon Central Time. Again, Sam Brief will have all three games for you live from Durham Bulls. Uh, what's the A stand for, Sam? It's the uh, Athletic Park. Athletic Park. Park. Uh, DBAP. DBAP, I know that's what they call it. Very excited for you to be out there in beautiful Durham, North Carolina. Heard it might be a little bit rainy, so obviously. It's going gonna, it's gonna to be yeah, rainy. So but 71 and sunny on yeah, Sunday. So beautiful. I'm so, so excited. You, you might have, I hope, hopefully you, you don't have a Sunday doubleheader. I don't know if they could fit that in with the travel. Right, but right. We'll see what happens. But obviously stay tuned to, to Twitter and Facebook and wherever you get your updates. I'm sure they'll be there. Walker, do you have something you... Well, no, just yeah. fun fact, I stayed at a hotel when I toured Duke when I was senior in high school, right right across, right next to the ballpark, actually, the A-Loft. You can see it out over the left field. Great hotel, great location. You're going to have a blast today. I'm really excited for I you to get wait. down there. Yeah. I'm missing the Duke-UNC game by I know. a day, I know. but I think the average ticket price was like $4,000, so... Yeah, well, it's not like I'd be able to I go think it anyway. was. I think it was triple the get-in price of a World Series game one yeah, this past ridiculous. year. Well, I would just like to say to everyone who talks about those, not not you guys, but the, the people in the media, big media, uh, they don't realize it's all about supply and demand. It's, the tickets are expensive because there are no seats to be had. Right, it's like, yeah. what, 8,000 seats? Yeah, if Duke, yeah. Played, if Duke played at a bigger arena, they'd be a Duke little cheaper. Duke played in the Rose Bowl. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways, there's some... Off-topic stuff. Thanks for listening again to one more week of Rounding the Bases. We'll be back next week, as usual, joining uh, join us for as we accompany the team all season long with some extracurricular content midweek. Thanks to Walker Reinfeld for coming on. Thanks to Sam Bree for coming on. You yep. can hear him all weekend. Be sure to do so. I'm Malik, and this has been another great episode of Rounding the Bases.